Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Live from Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown, Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin, senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans pro bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, folks? Yesterday, the football gods, they were pretty good to Tennessee in many ways, but at times it looked like it might be a day of wrath and vengeance. Baltimore had Kansas City beaten in a matchup of the league's top-scoring offense and defense, but Mahomes and Kansas City did just enough to win. The Colts got the Texans, ended that streak. John Gruden might not have come to Knoxville, which was nice enough of him, honestly, but he beat the Steelers thanks to weird Mike Tomlin decisions, Big Ben's shoulder, Josh Dobbs not being very good, and Chris Boswell slipping on the awful Oakland turf. Denver's injuries, well, catching up to them. And they also forgot George Kittle was somebody on the football field that might need to be accounted for, and they lost. The one bad result, Miami over New England, courtesy largely of Rob Gronkowski being asked to take the proper angle to stay with and tackle Kenyon Drake. Thursday, the Titans did their part. 30-9 over the Jaguars, one of the more satisfying experiences to have as a Tennessee NFL fan, courtesy of both the defense and, yeah, because of that beast in the backfield and his 17-carry, 238-yard night. Three games remain for everybody in the NFL. The Titans are 7-6 and with tiebreaker trouble above them and a few teams below them to keep an eye on. But at this point, all they can do is make sure they finish 10-6. and That job continues in New York against the Giants, who have won four of their last five. And Saquon Barkley, third in the league in rushing. Odell Beckham Jr., over 1,000 yards receiving again. And a New York team that is not exactly out of the playoffs yet itself. It's going to be wild. It's going to be unpredictable. And the Titans have to show up and win. It's that simple. Handle the business in front of you. And that's how we welcome you into Martin's Barbecue here on 4th and Broadway tonight for Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Along with me, my partners in crime, always creating space for me to run between the tackles. TitansOnline.com senior editor and scribe Jim Wyatt, former Titans pro bowler Mark Mariani. I'm the guy behind them racking up yards and first downs thanks to their talent, and that's what I'm going to say in the postgame press conference. I am Jason Martin. So before we look at playoff scenarios in detail, which we'll spend a lot of time doing, in addition to listening to you, phone lines are open. Give us a call, 615-737-737. 1045 to join us here tonight. 737 1045. But before we get to what's to come, your thoughts, gentlemen, starting with you, Jim, on the beatdown on Thursday night against a Jags team that really didn't appear to care whether they played this game or not. Well, let's go to Mark real quick. Well, we got microphones that need to be turned on. How about me? Kirby so, doing work. We got I, Jim. Right. I mean, I, I think the Titans, you know, certainly took their will away. 
as this game went on, especially early, the way Derrick Henry ran the balls away. We've talked about wanting to see him throughout this season. And uh, it was a dominant performance. I thought it was going to get out of hand early. Then, was, then there was a turnover. Then when there was a safety, all of a sudden we had a 7-2 game. Jags were going in to take the lead. But the, the play Rashawn Evans made near the goal line and then the Derrick Henry play that followed was exactly it kind of looked like the Texans game down there where, where the game flipped on in two plays. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and then the Titans just kind of took control from there. Derrick Henry's performance was remarkable. I, mean, I, I don't know of all the games I've seen in that stadium, and I've been to every one. I don't know if I've ever seen an individual performance quite like that. When Eddie George had some days, Steve McNair had some days. I'll never forget a Billy Volick and Drew Bennett night over there in 2004. But uh, it was spectacular. It seemed like every time he got the ball, he scored a touchdown. No doubt. So you've been talking about it, Mark. Sort of. You, you were the first one to mention, hey, I saw something different from him in the second half of the, of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers game over in London before the bye week. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, he still hasn't been producing to a high level, hasn't gotten a whole lot of action, hasn't felt like he's been in part of the game flow, which is something that Mike Tomlin said yesterday. Maybe we'll get to it. But yesterday, a lot of hard work paid off for a really good dude. Or not yesterday, but Thursday night. Paid off for a guy in a big way. And it's very funny to me that the national media pretty much threw that to the side and just wanted to talk about Jacksonville but I think that it deserved more attention than it got nationally. Jamar, don't get me started, man. The national media, it w- was not giving any credit to the Tennessee Titans again. We're used to that. But I'll tell you what, uh, King Henry aside, this is the type of win that I've been look that I've been waiting for all season long. This is the type of win where you take an inferior opponent and you start out with the first drive of the game and you march down the field and you and you shove it down their throats over and over and over. Did, it, did they keep it close? Yeah, but you break their will on the goal line, and then you come back, 99-yard touchdown run, and what do you do? Instead of You're up 14-2 now, but instead of getting conservative, you jam it down their throat again, and you beat them when they're down. You take an opponent from the moment the whistle blew and that didn't want to be there, like you said, on the opening. They were looking for a reason to quit, and you gave them a reason to quit. We didn't do it against the Bills. We didn't do, do it against the Jets. We needed to do that. We needed to get this... This well-oiled machine greased up, and that's what we did. It was so fun to watch, so fun to see a ton of momentum moving forward. And it wasn't just Derrick Henry. He was certainly the story coming out of it and certainly deserved to be, but his offensive line showed up and played a solid game after not playing very well against the Jets. But the defense, another stellar performance, second in a row. They were everywhere. Jacksonville had nowhere to go. Leonard Fournette could not run the football, had no room to run, and even when he did, the Titans, who at times have struggled to tackle, did not struggle to tackle at all on Thursday night. Yeah, and Evans, I mentioned him earlier. I mean, yeah, he's fantastic. He was great, and just his instincts and his ability to get through and make a play, he's getting better each week. I know there's a lot of chat early in the season. Why aren't we seeing more from him? You know, What's the holdup? This guy's a first-round pick. He was recovering from a hamstring injury, and his snaps were limited as he kind of worked his way back. He gets it now, and, and you can tell uh, by the way he's playing football. Uh, it was a complete performance, and a day where Marcus Mariota didn't have to do a whole lot to win. And, uh, you know, guys like Taewon Taylor, who uh, the week before, I think the Jets were calling him a one-trick pony because he was just catching deep balls. He made some big catches in that game to kind of keep drives alive. So that's what you need to see. But now the key is got to keep it going. I mean, uh, yes, you dominated a Jacksonville team that pretty much, you know, as we all talk about, didn't seem like they had a lot of interest in the second half of that game. Now you're going into New York facing a Giants team that's suddenly – 
scoring some points. They got some weapons on offense, and uh, Titans better be ready to play defense again. And one thing that we have seen when we talked about the inconsistency that's come with this team is that they have not handled success particularly well. When they go on a three-game win streak, then they're about to go on a losing streak, it seems like, and they're going to start it against a team like Buffalo, a win that, or a loss, rather, that we're probably going to talk about whether or not they make the playoffs or not because it's one that seems completely inexcusable. And then you win a couple of games, you beat Dallas, who, boy, that's a good win right now, and then you beat the New England Patriots, and then you, again, lay an egg and you lose a couple in a row in division. This team now has won two in a row. But, Mark, they've got to win five in a row to make the playoffs. It's that simple. They've got three more that they have got to win. If they drop one, that's probably a wrap. Yeah, not just the consistency within this 2018 football season, but historically, this has been a tough game for the Tennessee Titans. Teams that I was on in 2016 as well, for me it was the Colts and, and a couple times with the Jags in the early year, where you got a late game on a Thursday night, and it's a soggy day, and it's a half-filled stadium, and you got a team that comes into your house and, and should be beaten down and, sh- and comes in there and wants to get all riled up, and you don't take care of business. But what I like to see and what I saw on Thursday night was a focused team that came out of the gate and pounded on them. Now, where does that put us? We talked about it every week. We don't have a lot of room for error. We don't have a lot of room to, to pound our chest and, and, and you know celebrate too long. we got a hot New York Giants team. We're going up to New York, but I'll tell you what, this is the type of game, and we've, taught, we've talked about it before, confidence is a powerful thing. It's a type of game where everybody plays well. Everybody on the offensive line has that game where I saw Ben Jones in Spain and those guys getting to the second level. Taylor Lewan was throwing people around. I saw the defense just dominating a rushing attack that has been so good all season long. And so all these things start clicking. A little confidence happens. Everything's going your way. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of momentum moving downhill, and it'll be tough to stop. Jim, you didn't get out unscathed against Jacksonville with Jonu Smith going down, with Jack Conklin going down, Tajay Sharp still banged up, Arakpo got banged up in that game as well. Speak to that. I know that uh, Vrabel spoke today. What did he have to say about those injuries, and what were some of the other things that he had to talk about? I know he was also asked about you know, playoff positioning, and he said what the only thing he really can say, which is all we can do is go win football games at this point. And unfortunately for the Titans, they don't fully control their own destiny because of what's come before. You can't go back and replay those games. All you can do now is win the last three and put yourself in the best position to get there. Yeah, you look foolish talking about playoffs and and looking at what is going on at other places if you don't take care of your own business, and that's what's got to happen now. As as far as injuries go, I mean, he didn't want to give too much, you could tell, but it was, you know, he, he did say... Schefter, uh, Schefter said Jonu was done for the year, and there were other and people he said that, that did as well. Schefter said that Jonu Smith was done for the year, and, and uh, Ian Rappaport reported yeah. that uh, Jack Conklin's done for the year. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not I mean, tr- Because Mike Vrabel didn't confirm it today doesn't mean that's not the case. I think a lot of times, and he mentioned this several times when talking about both those guys, he said they're not playing this week, and he circled back several times saying, you know, we may have to make roster moves as, as a result. And what that means is, you're maybe finding other guys at those positions. You're potentially placing guys on injured reserve. We got three weeks left in the season. You can't wait for guys to come back. So those things usually happen on a Tuesday or, or a Wednesday before the practice week starts. I think we'll finally get some more clarity on what happens there. But you mentioned it's not just John U. Smith, it's Jack Conklin, it's Brian Arakpo, uh, 
Uh, Tajay Sharp was in the locker room today. He didn't have a walking boot on. You would hope he's back and going. But some of those don't look good. And some of those positions, especially tackle where you've got Dennis Kelly uh, ready to step in, may need some more depth there. But you got your starter on the roster at tight end. This team's now without their two top guys in Delaney Walker and John o. Smith. So now you have to continue to have Luke Stocker. You can continue to have Anthony Furker. You can continue to have Michael Pruitt step up, and we'll see what else happens from there. I would think you have to add somebody to at least a practice squad to help get you through moving forward. But uh, it was a big win, but it was a tough night as far as injuries go, and it's going to impact this team moving forward. No question. Your thoughts, your comments, your questions, we'll take them at 615-737-1045, 737-1045. When we come back, I like Anthony Furkser. I think we'll talk a little bit about Anthony Furkser and what we've seen from him. Also, some questions about Corey Davis and, my goodness, special teams again. I just want Mark to try and explain to me what Cam Batson did on Thursday night. All that is still to come. Glad to have you with us. Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, here on 104.5 The Zone. Broadway, Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Mark Mariani, Jim Wyatt with me. I'm Jason Martin. Mark Mariani, 80. Jay Wyatt Sports at Zone. The three places to find us on Twitter, 615-737-1045 to join the program. Anthony Ferkser has 16 receptions on 16 targets this season. That's pretty efficient, Jim. That's hard Jim. to do. That's, that's, that's all right do. right there. That's pretty efficient, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. He's obviously... His role has to change a little bit moving forward without Jonu Smith out there. And it's kind of sad to lose Jonu, not just because he's a good kid that worked hard and already had to overcome the loss of Delaney Walker and kind of have to step into the TE1 role when he might still have been more equipped at the time to be the TE2. But Berkser is somebody that I'm, I want to see him get more. I want to see if Mariota can develop a little bit of chemistry with him over these next few games. Yeah, I mean, he gets open. He gets open. He catches the ball. He's got pretty good speed once he gets it in his hand. So he's turned into a little bit of a weapon. Uh, I, just from any time I tweet something out about him on social media, I can tell he's turning into a little bit of a fan favorite as well. What's, what's his issue? Is it blocking that's still blo- holding yeah, him back? Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely not known for his blocking. And, you know, he's, and he, he'll probably be asked to do some more of that. We'll have to see. I mean, when Mike... Rabel talks about roster moves. I can't help but wonder if you're still looking for an extra guy there. But to get somebody to come in here, he's not going to jump ahead of these three. And uh, all those guys do something different. I mean, Stocker's known as a blocker who can also line up in the backfield, play a little fullback. He can catch the ball uh, at, at times, and I think you could potentially see his role increase there. Michael Pruitt had a heck of a game against the Steelers. If you go against the Steelers against. The Jags, if you go back and watch that game, I mean, he there was a play on the 99-yard run where he gets Telvin Smith and he gets him from the time, uh, the, uh, the snap, and drives him all the way out to the 20-yard line, didn't let up. And, and several of Henry's runs, Pruitt was involved in that. And, and again, you mentioned Furcher. So all three of those guys have a role, and they're going to be asked to do more with, uh, with, with another injury at that position. You want John U. Smith, but you're not going to have John U. Smith, at least for this game for sure. We'll find out whether or not Vrabel just didn't want to say or doesn't know for sure or, or what it is. But Berkser being 16 for 16, just give a guy a couple of, couple of balls a game, see what he can do with it. Yeah, and that hurts coming down the final stretch. Obviously, you want all hands on deck coming you know, come with three games left and, and must-win situations. But just for anyone out there thinking, oh, there, you can 
pull a guy in or go get a guy off the streets or somebody might have a name out there. It's unbelievably difficult uh, on the offense, on both sides of the ball to plug a guy in and expect him to be able to pick up a certain percentage of an offense that fast of time. I mean, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And at the, at the most you can do is put in a package for a guy, but these guys, the Titans are going to have to roll with their three guys that they have that know the offense, know how to get it done. They're going to have to uh, coach technique, and Ferkser's been a great story this year. I'd be bummed to see Johnny Smith go to IR if that's the case. I hope maybe we can get him back, just holding on to any hope that we can't, you know, a couple weeks left in the season. But uh, it would be very difficult to get a new guy in. So like we've been talking with this, these Titans all, all year long, it's next man up. And don't, don't blink. I heard uh, Coach Rabel say it today. We're going to work with the guys that we have at practice, and we're going to move on and, and, and go with the guys we got. So this stat doesn't really mean anything for Thursday, but Corey Davis had three targets on Thursday. You didn't need him much. He had two catches for 21 yards. He wasn't really a focus. Derrick Henry and the defense kind of put it out of reach, and he didn't need to throw the ball to 84 all that much. But if you go back over the past four, Jim, Davis has 18 total targets. Three of those four games, he has four or less from Marcus Mariota or for whoever's playing quarterback. In those three games where he's had four or less, the Titans are one and two. The lone win was Thursday where he didn't really matter. Against New England, 10 targets, win. Against the Jets, 7 targets, win. Five times this season, Corey Davis has failed to reach 35 yards as a receiver. Got to see more. They've got to look his way a lot more in these last three games. Yeah, I think so. But I do think the, you know, the stat of him not getting a lot of targets is sometimes can be a good sign because... That means you're able to run the ball effectively, and that's what this team needs to do, especially in December when the weather changes a little bit. And the receivers, I talk about Pruitt. If you go back and look at some of those runs, the receivers were very involved in some of that too. Corey Davis had a couple of nice blocks. You've got to keep him involved because he's proven he's got the confidence. You know, he was he was in the locker room today, and uh, one of the one of the TV guys, I think it was Steve Lehman, asked him if he considered himself a number one receiver, and he said, "Yeah, I do." I mean, he he's got confidence in himself. And he's at the point where he feels like if they throw him the ball, he's going to get it. Uh, he's come along this way, even on days when you when he doesn't have have the production he does other weeks. I think he's still impacting games. Yeah, speaking to asking whether or not he's a number one receiver, look at the difference. And I still think Dak Prescott is a relatively mediocre to average NFL quarterback, just in terms of the essence of the position itself, throwing the football. But look at the difference a true wide receiver one, no doubt, in Amari Cooper yep. has made in acquiring him. When you have a guy that can take up that kind of field and can really affect the game in that many ways, that is a major boon. And if you look at the teams that are rolling right now, with the exception of Chicago, whose defense is just on a completely different level from everybody else, they have studs at the receiver position that are getting a whole lot of looks from these young quarterbacks. Yeah, and we've seen Corey Davis be that guy, and we know he can. And as Titan fans, you know, we'd like to see him get the rock, get the rock, get the rock. And I think when, he, when he's getting that many targets, obviously you're going to create big plays. I think his job is going to be increasingly, increasingly more difficult. When he sh proves that on the field, when he goes and puts numbers out there like he does in certain games, these defensive coaches aren't just going to let you run free. I think the, the getting Taewon Taylor back into this offense as of last week and this week, really helps Corey Davis quite a bit. Obviously, he wasn't targeted that many times against the Jaguars Thursday night. Didn't need him. Ran it down their throats like we talked about. But he's got it in him. Obviously, consistency is the issue with him. But I think, you know, you talk about a guy like Amari Cooper. What I love about Amari Cooper is that 
he he is that guy where where now Dak looks at him and goes, man, I'm in trouble. I'm gonna find Amari. Well, that can be Corey Davis. That is Marcus Mariota's blanket, uh, Mariota's safety blanket. We just need to see that week in and week out. Yeah, I, he's obviously developed trust in Amari Cooper, and you want to see the same thing from a Corey Davis, but. You, we're going to need more from Corey Davis to win these games. And you should be able to take advantage. Look, the Giants' secondary is nothing spectacular, and they're not going to have Landon Collins, who's out for the year. Washington, their season basically is a nuclear bomb at this point with what happened at quarterback, with some of the mistakes that they made, with the PR flack over Reuben Foster. That's just not a very good football team. It looks like it's unraveling right before our eyes. The Colts, we'll see. You get there with these two wins then that game might actually become a knockout game, a win-loss game for one of those two teams. We'll still have to see that. But Corey Davis, he, you're just going to need a little bit more from him for sure. But again, on Thursday night, if the defense is going to play the way they did and you run the ball that way, then that's effective. With Henry doing what he did, one thing I mentioned on Friday's Big Six show, Jim, was that there's so many Alabama fans and so many people that are saying, see, this is what we said. You give Henry the football, he's going to do this. This is what's going to happen. you got to remember that Derrick Henry had over 200 yards and four touchdowns on 11 carries. It's not like he rushed the ball 40 times and had it in his hand constantly. He had 17 total carries in this game for 238 yards and four touchdowns. I want to see him get 15 to 15 to 18, somewhere in that neighborhood, and he has not done that on a consistent basis either. But it's still, you're not going to see a 25-carry Derrick Henry game. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was that type of day. You're right. kind of crazy. You go back and look and realize it was 17, and you're right. I mean, most of those carries came early. The snaps late in the game didn't produce as much. It's exactly the opposite of what everybody talked about. You keep giving him the ball, keep giving him the ball. He's eventually going to wear you down. He got his big home runs early in the game. And you've not done that in a lot of games this season. Now, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. We've, we've talked about the progress we've seen in him. He's been more decisive. He's been more physical. He's, he's run with more of a purpose and more of an attitude when he's had the balls since the bye week, and now you've got to keep that going. I mean, teams are going to be gearing up now to try to stop him, to keep him from getting it going again, and now the Titans got to keep figuring out a way to do it. I mean, this was a, you're not going to expect this kind of game ever again yeah. from Derek Carey. It's never happened before in the history of the franchise. I'm starting to look at Deion Lewis and just kind of wondering where he fits in. To what It seems like this is evolving more towards letting Derrick Henry try to run a little bit more with power and using him more in the Derrick Sproles way in terms of Deion Lewis. But Lewis, since the New England game, really has done very little. Well, if Derrick Henry keeps producing, obviously not like this, but if he keeps getting positive carries, getting those, you know, second, third pushes, getting, getting a five or six yard gain on first down, he's going to get the ball. I love the distribution of this game. So take a look here. He, Derrick Henry had 17 carries, Deion Lewis 10, but Deion Lewis had five receptions. He's our second leading receiver on the year besides Corey Davis. So they're mixing them up, and we've talked about their, their strengths and weaknesses all year. But what I love that, that Derrick Henry showed today, or uh, on Thursday night, not only the power with that stiff arm and attacking dudes with that, uh, that stiff arm. I mean, he was absolutely aggressive the and Jacob attacking Jacob's stiff arm is one of the yeah. more just filthy and de I mean, despicable things I've ever seen a running back do to a defender in my life. He slowed down so he could create contact with that stiff arm and then just jacked him. But... What I loved about Thursday night was he showed that home run ability. He showed that guy that gets around the edge. He, and I, would, I don't want to say CJ2K because that's my guy. But 
I'm just saying, that kind of speed, he's got it in him. And when you're 6'3", 250, I mean, it's a deadly weapon. But this kind of distribution I really like. And, and getting Deion Lewis the ball in space, he'll get back to that guy we saw early in the year. I guarantee you, his skill set is too good. He's too good at getting out of the backfield. So, it, you know, I'll, I think a little bit more balanced attack is what we'll see. And what, what's crazy is look at the stats now, 13 games in. We've talked about carries and how much these guys get the ball, both of them. I've exactly 145 carries yeah. now through 13 games. Henry has put up 712 with nine touchdowns that game with a now up to a 4.9 yard average. It was 3-3 at the bye. And Lewis on his 145, 477 yards, he's down to 3.3 with one TD. So it's crazy how that has kind of evened itself out. When we come back, I've got to ask about Cameron Batson and the special team scenarios. And then we're going to spend much of the rest of this show talking about the playoffs, talking about the teams that are in the mix in this second tier, how it's going to shake out. We're going to give you each schedule for each one of these teams, rate it, try to determine what's going to happen in a very unpredictable. If you saw the league yesterday, it is a very unpredictable year in the NFL, including a huge game coming up tonight on Monday Night Football. We might discuss that as well. It's Monday Night Titans presented by Geico here on 104.5 The Zone. Titans got three games left. Everybody's got three games left. Titans have at Giants this Sunday. Titans radio coverage right here on 104.5 The Zone. Then home games against the Redskins and the Colts to finish out the season. We're going to talk about the remaining schedules for all the teams that are relevant to the discussion here in just a second, but before we put a bow on Thursday night, we talked about Adoree Jackson and his fair catch and some of the judgment decisions that he's made and just not really wanting that guy back there, especially with what else he needs to be doing for this football team. So Cameron Batson gets an opportunity on Thursday night. Mark Mariani got many opportunities in special teams in the return game throughout his illustrious NFL career. I'm using big words. I'm using big Illustrious. Words. I love it. Yeah. So Cameron Batson made what can only be described as one of the worst. I don't, it, it was baffling. Like I was, I was sitting in the press box watching this, wondering what on earth was running through this man's mind. Well, I did once see a Tennessee Titan returner catch it on the two on a kickoff and yep. then step back. To start the season, so I mean, I've seen, I've seen yeah, yeah, fair point. I've seen some, I've seen some interesting things, but you know what? We saw this coming. Uh, Batson was, we saw him in the preseason. We've seen him. He was the number two in the depth. We always wondered, you know, wh- who who that backup guy would be to a Dory Jackson because we, you know, he's just getting hit, making some questionable decisions, and then of course Thursday night. And I was stoked to see him back there. Honestly, I, I think I think a Dory can be used sporadically and more of as a as a game plan type guy on, in the punt return but then you got to have a guy who you know you feel good about now just like after the Jets game we get to sit here and make corrections after a win so just like after Thursday night Cameron Batson gets to see see the decision making and see what happened after a win and it didn't hurt you down the stretch I think the reason that uh my career lasted as long as it did was because down the stretch you know as a coach that could that could win or lose a game for you I mean, that situation right there could win or lose a game for you. He got a young guy. He tried to make a catch on the five, four or five yeah. or something like that, and then runs backwards. I think after the ball hits the ground, 
uh, all hell breaks loose. Panic in yeah. your mind. <laughs> it's, I've been there. But, I mean, you, and then you run backwards, and then you take a safety, and all of a sudden you go to – now it's 7-2, to two and you give this, this team some, a breath of life. Uh, you just can't have it. And, and I think uh, everybody knows it. But, you know, I think, I think putting him back there was the right move. Um, obviously, they just need to say, hey, put your heels on the 10-yard line. If it goes over your head, don't even touch it. I mean, but I, I don't think that'll, that'll be the last time you see Cameron Batson, obviously a young kid, ready to make some plays. I think he can do it, but obviously disappointing to see. And, and uh, sometimes having a sure-handed guy like, you know, making the right decision ain't too bad. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I tweeted out that I now have an official campaign for Mark to get an opportunity down the stretch in the season. I know he was disappointed J-Rob didn't give him a phone call Thursday night. But he can be my agent, man. I, th I, mean, I think Vrabel even said today Batson's going to get you know, more opportunities to do this. You make mistakes. You know, things don't go right all the time. It is the kind of situation, however, when you don't have a large margin for error in the NFL in basically any game unless you're just one of these offenses that can put up 50 and even them on the right day can find ways to lose. You can't do things like this unless you're willing to be home with your family early in January instead of on the road with your football team with a wild-card berth. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And, and you're able to survive it uh, on Thursday night because everybody play well. But you make a play like that, and hate to bring up New York and, uh, and Ryan Mouton, but he had a game against the Jets that was kind of a nightmarish game for a returner uh, in a game that didn't go so well. So you make those mistakes on the road, things can kind of unravel, and you lose. And uh, Titans got to figure out a way to get that fixed uh, moving forward so let's look at the playoff scenarios and there's a lot to break down here we're going to spend the remainder of the show doing that yesterday the titans got some help in the form of baltimore losing denver losing the steelers losing and i think there's an argument to be made that it would have been better if indy had won an argument to be made if houston had won then maybe we'll talk about the chiefs are 11 and 2 the pats are 9 and 4 the texans are 9 and 4 the steelers are 7 5 and 1 that's your current division leaders those in the hunt for the wild card, the 10-3 and three Chargers, the Ravens at 7-6, and six, the Colts at 7-6, and six, the Dolphins at 7-6, and six, the Tennessee Titans at 7-6, and six, Denver at 6-7, and seven, and Cleveland has like the slimmest chance of 5-7-1, and one, and they might be a playoff team if Hugh Jackson had not been the coach at any part this season. Tiebreakers. Miami has a tiebreaker due to the win in Week 1. Colts hold a tiebreaker over the Dolphins, and a division tiebreaker over the Titans due to the win in Week 11. Baltimore has tiebreakers over Miami due to win percentage in common games, Indianapolis due to AFC win percentage, and Tennessee because of the shutout win at Nissan Stadium. So not looking at it from that perspective, but looking at it from the remaining schedules of these teams is what I think makes the most sense if you're trying to predict a very unpredictable NFL. So... The Chargers start out Thursday in a gigantic football game at Kansas City. That is as good a Thursday night matchup at this stage in the season as you could possibly get. They get at Chiefs, they go to Baltimore, and then they go to Denver to finish off their season. They get, I'm sorry, they get the Ravens at home, and then they go to Denver. I look at that, and the way that I'm trying to quantify this, gentlemen, is how many of the opponents that they are playing have something to play for and our playoff hopefuls themselves. That's how I'm kind of ranking the strength of schedule down the stretch. All three of the teams that the Chargers are playing right now 
are fighting for their playoff lives. The Chiefs want to win division. They're only up one on the Chargers, so they're going to be playing all out. Ravens have to win every game. Broncos have to win every game. So the Chargers, three tough ball games. Baltimore gets Tampa Bay at home, nothing to play for. At the Chargers, a lot to play for. And then the Browns, maybe they have something to play for. I'll give them a one and a half. The Browns kind of matter. The Chargers do matter. Tampa Bay doesn't matter at all. The Colts get Dallas. Unfortunate for them right now. Then they get the Giants. And then they come here to play the Titans to finish off the season. I'll give them two and a half because Cowboys with a lot to play for. Titans, of course, have to win out. And then the Giants, maybe they have something to play for. Miami gets at Minnesota fighting for their lives, including tonight against Seattle in what should be a great Monday night football game. So they go to Minnesota, do the Dolphins. Then they play the Jags, nothing to play for. At the Bills, nothing to play for. So I'll say the Dolphins, really they have a fairly favorable schedule in terms of looking at it on paper. They have one game that fits that criteria. Denver, I think, is out of it. Their injuries are just catching up to them. They've lost both their starting tackles. They have lost their starting tight end. They've lost their best playmaker on defense in Chris Harris. And then they've lost Emmanuel Sanders. They just don't have enough. Even though they have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL, I don't think that they're going to be a factor. Cleveland has an outside shot. They've got at Broncos. Whoever loses that game is definitely not going to be heard from again. Then they play Cincinnati. Then they go to Baltimore. And then... And this is what's intriguing. To me, the AFC North and how ah, that's going to play is. out is there fascinating. Is. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers play New England, then go to New Orleans, and then finish up in division against Cincinnati. The Steelers have two real tough football games left because the Saints need the number one seed. They do not want to leave the Superdome in the playoffs they want to win all these games down the stretch, and Carolina's probably going to try and make that tough on them with two games with Panthers-Saints before the end of the year. New England, after yesterday's loss, the one time you don't want to play a Bill Belichick team is when he's just lost. So that is not easy. I am not totally sure that the Steelers are actually going to win that division. So that is sort of the scenario where it stacks up. We will predict it. We will talk about it. We will discuss what Tennessee's road looks like, and preview the Giants in the final segment. It's all coming up next. Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Jim Wyatt, Martin Mariani with me. I'm Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us here tonight. We're looking for obscure players on the Tennessee Titans roster during the break. We're talking about old-fashioned during the break. Kirby, Alan Kirby, talking about members-only jackets during the breaks. It's a good old time out here at Martin. So let's talk about the playoffs a little bit, and then we can talk about the Giants. What makes the most sense, Jim, if you're trying to predict it? Obviously, the Titans have to win every game. They do. The Giants have a little bit to play for right now. Washington basically has nothing. They're still in it, but I don't even think they believe at this point. The Colts have everything in the world to play for. You can't go back and play Buffalo again. You can't go back and go quarterback sneak or Derrick Henry in London on that fourth down call or play for overtime and see what happens. You can't go back and do this. So all you can do is win these games. But when you look at the rest of it, how do you feel 
for the Titans, and who do you think comes out with these couple of wild card spots? Obviously, either Kansas City or L.A. is going to get one of them. Right. Uh, first and foremost, Titans have got to win, do something they have not done all season, and that's win five games. And, and it starts against the Giants, or at least it continues against the Giants, which would give them win number three. But this team has not won more than three games this year. In the NFL, crazy things happen. I mean, we saw the, the Raiders beat the Steelers yesterday, and we saw the 49ers beat the Broncos. And just when you think you've got things figured out, something crazy happens. So uh, Titans have got to figure out a way to win all these games. And if the Titans can do that, I think the best scenario to get in is you have the Dolphins lose against Minnesota this week, which I think is could, pretty likely. Could, could definitely yeah. happen. And even if they survive that game, going to Buffalo and winning, if you're Miami on December the 30th, is not easy. Buffalo still fights you at home, especially in the cold. So I think your best route in is to have Miami lose and then get a loss from either Pittsburgh or Baltimore. And I never would have thought that it would, the more likely scenario would be Pittsburgh losing uh, because I never thought they'd lose to Oakland yesterday to make this happen. But uh, I think Pittsburgh drops one of those two against either the Patriots or the Saints. And I think you know, Saints are tough to beat at home. They're going to be jacked up ready to play. I think it's very possible that the Titans are going to be able to get in if that happens. But I, I go back to 2006, when, the last week of the season, where the Titans needed to have like five or six things happen, and then they needed to win, and everything happened. But the Titans lost to the Patriots on the final week in the season. So first and foremost, the Titans have got to take care of business first. Before you even worry about this stuff, you look silly if you're sure. promoting some of this stuff and then you can't even take care of your own business. Mark, Chargers, Ravens, Colts, Dolphins, Broncos, Cleveland with a little bit of an outside shot, and then this Pittsburgh team that you have no idea if they're good or not. They're putting up a ton of yards, but they're still finding a way to lose games they should not lose. I've got a crazy stat to uh, send us out today that will quantify just how crazy it's been for Mike Tomlin through the years when it comes to being a double-digit favorite on the road. But how do you look at this? It looks like one of them's coming out of the West. We already know that. Throw it out. Really, you're playing for one spot unless you have a chance to win a division. Yeah, I don't see the Chargers taking a step back. So so like you said, there's that sixth and final spot uh, really realistically that we're playing for. And it is all gearing up for a Week 17 matchup in Tennessee, in Nashville, Nissan Stadium with Andrew Luck in the Indianapolis Colts. <clears throat> now, to get there, a lot of things have to happen. And, and, and Jim hit it on the head. we got to take care of business. But what I love is after 13 weeks of an up-and-down crazy season that we've had, we've sat here every week and tried to figure out this team and all that, we've given ourselves a chance. We've given ourselves a chance to go on and do something crazy. We did it last year, right, going to, going to Kansas City and – round one. Anything can happen when you're, once you're in the show. So, I mean, I, 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 see, I see tough schedules. I, we have an, a, com, a common opponent, opponent with uh, the Colts who have to go to Dallas. Excuse me, Dallas is coming to them, correct? Yeah, yeah so that we have the Giants as a common opponent. But, I mean, we got to go take care of business. Washington looks like they're in trouble. They're in big trouble the last couple of weeks. So, but, uh, you know, we talked about this two weeks ago when we were going in, when New, uh, New York was coming here. We're not good enough to just show up and beat anyone. We've got to be very serious. We've got to put in a great w week of preparation. We've got to be ready because uh, Eli Manning has sort of dusted off the, the old arm again, and he's throwing the ball down the field, and they routed the Redskins this week. So 
Big things to come, but we got to take care of business. But we've given ourselves a chance here down the stretch. We've given ourselves a chance, and that's what's awesome about this. Washington at home feels like it's the Jets. It's kind of like the Jets over again at this point because Washington, I think they just want this season to be over. With what's happened to their quarterback spot, Alex Smith, that's horrible news about the infection that they're saying could end up ending his career. Mark Sanchez was brought in because he understood the offense. Uh, he didn't appear to understand it very well yesterday. Josh Johnson came in and played a little bit better. The defense is fracturing. Adrian Peterson's not having the space to run anymore. That's a game that you look at and say, you've got that at home. You better win that game. You should win that football game. The Giants, though, Jim, a little bit scary because you're going to their building. They've won four of their last five, but only one of those wins actually impresses you, and that's defeating Chicago two weeks ago by a field goal, and Trubisky didn't play in that game. The other three are Nick Mullins in his first-ever start, and they barely won that on Monday Night Football. A field goal win over Tampa Bay at home, 38-35, to and then yesterday against a hapless Redskins team that didn't want to be there. They're not out of the playoffs, and Saquon Barkley is doing ridiculous things. 1,124 yards rushing, only Zeke and Gurley have more. Rookie of the year seems to be likely. Philip Lindsay might be the only competition out in Denver. But I think it's interesting matching up the two guys that had the best rushing weekends, two of the best rushing performances we've seen all year with Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley in this matchup. Yeah, we don't know about Odell Beckham Jr. either, right. what his status is going to be after not playing on Sunday. I, you know, I suspect he'll be back in, in a go. And they're, they're a tough offense to contend with. And the Titans are going to have to be ready to go up there and play. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and even some of these other games, like all you got to do is give a team a reason to get excited in the NFL. I mean, even the Redskins coming here, they hang around early and think they can win a game. They're going to fight in the second half. So the Titans got to take care of business each week. You know, one game I don't want to lose sight of as as long as we're talking about playoff implications here. The, the Indianapolis Houston game from yesterday is a little bit tricky because right. I think you'll look at it and think, okay, I, I think it was one school of thought was better. If the Texans win, you maybe take the life out of the out of the Colts and have them come in here the last week where they're not playing for anything. I think there's another school of thought where it was good that Indy won because it does keep slim AFC South division titles alive. Uh, you know, the the Texans still got to go to the Jets. They got to go to Philadelphia. They played the Jags the last week. You never know what can happen in the league. So uh, that that was a tricky one from yesterday. But it, again, it boils down to the Titans needing to take care of business. I think if the Titans win the final three games, I think I think they're in. And on that same note, Jim, is the Washington Redskins are going to Jacksonville this week to play the team that we just whooped up on and didn't look too impressive themselves. And you're talking about playing, you know, looking for something to play for. If they go take care of business in Jacksonville, they're going to come in here at seven and seven with that playoff spot on the line as well. So we're nowhere near out of the woods. We got to go take care of our own business. No doubt. And the Giants still believe they have business to take care of as well. They have a lot of pride, but they've also won four or five, and they're not eliminated from the playoffs. Saquon Barkley, if Odell plays, the offense has started to come around a little bit. It's going to be a fun one, and it's going to be on Titans Radio right here on 104.5 The Zone with full coverage beginning with the lead company countdown to kick off on Sunday early morning, I guess, or late morning. So I told you I wanted to talk about this Steelers situation. Crazy stat from Football Outsiders. Since 2007, NFL road favorites by 10 or more points are 60 and 11 straight up. Four of those losses, four of the 11, belong to Mike Tomlin. 
That is incredible in terms of not showing up to play games that you should win. Yesterday, lost to the Raiders. And the Steelers may be in a little trouble. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. Saying goodnight. Bell calls next.